everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I'm Chris, aka Not the Fake Webby, and I'm joined. Nobody cares. Let's talk about Killian. Woo! Killian time. Let's go. Yay! He's back. He's healthy. Ah, oh. <laughs> never. Didn't think I was gonna see the day, especially after Woo! the beginning of the year. We did. We did have like noise. I'm so excited. <laughs> we should have came more prepared for that. Uh, I really, I actually, it, of all the people you know, how many do you think are above me, like rank above me in people you would expect to have a soundboard? Actually, yeah, that is a fair like, point. Sushi's up there, but I'm kind of disappointed you don't now. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, outside, outside of our buddy Sushi, I can't think of anyone else who yeah. needs one more. Well, Sushi, I think actually has <laughs> and, one, or at least has the ability. Yes, to Yes, I'm, I'm guessing he does, but. <laughs> But yes, you are you are slacking. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, not, now I feel lacking. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for this podcast. Yep. Jake has been dying. Um, we recorded this, of course, on Tuesday. Um, after last night's game against the Thunder, Jake had been dying to just talk about and just rave about Killian, who in his, what, second oh. game back now from injury? He had... Yeah. He had, like, a, a great stat line. He had, like, nine points, seven assists, couple steals, couple blocks. Like, he... Looked like the guy that we were hoping we'd get. So I was very... <laughs> it was a very good game. Very good night against the Thunder. Yeah. It was a fun game against the Thunder. Tanking aside. The... the uh, Yep. Not losing the game. This is one of the ones you want to lose because the th- Thunder are also bad. But yeah. So... You got a little bit of Killian. You got a little bit of uh, Seku. You got a little bit of everything. All right. It's time for me to play devil's advocate. So we got a great Killian game. However, it did hurt the tank. We won a game, especially against the Thunder, who I... The Pistons are five wins ahead? Behind? I don't know how you really want to look at that. Uh, but there's, a, <laughs> there's a five-win difference between the Thunder and the tank and the is Pistons. the goal. And I don't <laughs> Your quite... Your game's behind. I don't quite think with, what, what do they have, like, 32 more games? No, that could be right. 22 more games. With 20, yeah. with 20 games left, I don't think the Pistons are realistically going to make up a five-game difference. But that being no. said, if you get a healthy Killian and maybe like, I don't know, um, if Diallo just starts turning it on and the Pistons rip off like a four or five game win streak, how would you feel about that? Would you be happy if we end up finishing ahead of in the standings, say the Magic or the Wizards and we lose a lottery spot and like lose those ping pong balls would no you be happy i, I with think it? you gotta stay three what was that i i think you gotta stay three um i do think like you lost delon right for example mm-hmm. like there's there's a certain level of um like quality that you had before that you now need to like make up in a way so like there's room for killian to oh, come yeah. in and excel without really elevating this team to unhealthy levels i mean yes healthy but it, levels but unhealthy levels <laughs> i would say in this case un, <laughs> no i got eh, still healthy levels i'd say um, um you know so like the it, orlando i think is going to be a little better than people expect because yes like <laughs> several of the people they have are still like better players than people expect yeah Chumo like, KK washington in... oh continue yeah continue like Washington is like Russ and Beal together are gonna keep you in games. Except Beal isn't playing like and we're night. tanking. Shh, don't tell anyone. Right, <laughs> but 
Sneak tank. Like they're they're gonna win games because they have to play him like of the last like twenty games. They're gonna have to play Beal like eight of them. Mm. You know, like th- th- there's just <laughs> you know, like I don't think Cleveland is intentionally trying to tank. They're just bad. Well, Cleveland is just bad. You know, and... Oklahoma City is not trying to tank. They're just not good <laughs> well the problem with oklahoma city is that not trying to i tank. think oklahoma city is legitimately trying to tank it's just like they just get the best nah, out of their players nah, nah, nah. <laughs> o- okc right now is saying we we have so many other people's picks like so many picks from other teams i don't think okc cares about tanking at all i think they're thinking let's continue like let's focus on the culture and mm-hmm. focus on being better and let the other people suck it up yeah um, well, the other thing about them is they do have a lot so, of injuries as well. I know, like, Shea's out, Baisley's out. Uh, Dort didn't play, I don't think, against us. Yeah, but, like, yeah. they're not going to lose, like, they're not going to make up a five-game no. loss they're margin not, on Detroit. They're not catching that. But especially no. with, like like I said, if the Pistons do get hot and Killian looks like he can be putting up maybe... If Killian puts up... 15 and 7 a game. Like, he gets really comfortable. And we whip, rip off a couple wins. Would you say that would be a win if we lose, say, a lottery spot or two? We'll lose some ping pong balls. That's what, that's what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at, like, Killian has like, a couple would, good I would like, say it's a lo- I would say it's a win if, like, if we get games like last night where, like, Seku is involved and yep. you're getting this and you're getting, like, 20 minutes out of Seku, I'll say that's a win. If you're doing, if you get that because Dwayne Casey is focused on winning at all costs for some reason, then I'm going to say no. Yeah, the way I'm looking at it, I'm not looking like at if it as a... if you if you if you get that because Wayne Ellington is playing 32 minutes a night again, yeah. like all due respect to Wayne Ellington, but what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying uh, like we're out here like rolling out the veterans trying to get the wins. I'm just saying, no, I mean, if we have the young guys if, running if around, you and they show a lot of yourself into wins. That's just part of it. Uh, you. I mean, P, uh, you, you've seen it multiple times from a lot of people on Twitter now, and they're like, why aren't we losing more? <laughs> and it's like the Pistons are playing both of their two-way guys, like <laughs> legitimate minutes. Like the- Frank Jackson is getting minutes on this team. You can't do anything else. <laughs> the problem is, is that the two-way guys have actually been pretty decent. So, <laughs> Right. Like, like until Jaleel Okafor comes back. The Pistons have been too good at until, team until the King, don't until have, the tank commander gets back from his uh, knee injury. Like, you know, especially now, like Corey Joseph's the guy that you like kind of sucks. Um, yep. You know, you you still want to play Seku or you still want to play uh, Saban and Killian? Turns out both of them do like a lot of winning stuff. Mm-hmm. It's almost <laughs> uh, like there's some pretty good players. <laughs> it's it's too bad. Um, you know, you want Sadiq Bay and uh, Isaiah Stewart to play. Mm-hmm. It, it turns out they they're good. Yeah, the young guys are trying <laughs> they're hard. Both they're both better than they their replacements. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just it's just what you get. You, sometimes the tank works out, and sometimes it doesn't. And you know, mm-hmm. like at this point, I don't even think Jeremy Grant's like put him in, take him out. I don't think the Pistons are seeing major swings in performance because the rest of the people are, you know bought in uh, I've, I've said it before I'm not the biggest fan of a lot of things Dwayne Casey does but the one thing he absolutely gets out of everyone is 100% buy-in every game yeah and you know that's kept the Pistons relevant in a strange way pretty much all season mm-hmm. yeah he's 
except done for that a... Wizards game, <laughs> which was really bad. He's done a pretty good job this year. I mean, this is kind of what I think. I don't know. Dwayne Casey felt like a weird like duality when we hired him, where people were going to say first he's going to be the guy to like really get the most out of the roster, and then when he didn't, everyone's like, "Oh no, he's a great you know youth coach. He's gonna he's gonna mentor the young kids and stuff like that." And I'm like. I, I, I see that one a little bit more than the he's going to get us over the hump. Yeah, he always he made more Toronto. sense as, as the coach for this team than the coach for two years ago. Yeah, but I do worry about... Dwayne Casey got Dwayne Casey got let go from Toronto because he couldn't win games because he can't make in-game adjustments. There was no no point to hiring him if you wanted to contend, and that was silly at the time. So yeah, it's worked out in that this year he's, I mean, he's a very good coach for a team like this. Yeah. And... And and that's why I'm I'm kind of happy about that. I, gripes. I'm I'm not I'm not excited to have Dwayne Casey as our head coach, but I think he does. This is kind of the the part where, or the team that he would thrive in. My worry is is that if we do like nail some of these draft picks, and all of a sudden this team turns into like a Eastern Conference contender, I don't want to see a Brett Brown situation well, like the 76ers had. Yeah, I. That's what I'm nervous. This about. is this is where. Um... I think James Edwards has said this a couple times where he kind of gets the feeling that this is Dwayne's last ride. Mm. He doesn't really see Dwayne taking on another job. He is one of the older coaches in the league. Yep. My hot take, uh, Dwayne Casey should coach the Olympic team after Ooh. Pop. Interesting. Like that'd be, that'd uh, Popovich will have this year's cycle, and then after this year's cycle, obviously there will be another three. So they'll like I think Dwayne's contract will end right around the time they're looking for the next Olympic coach, mm-hmm. and it would make a lot of sense for me for him to like transition into a a role where he's just basically, you know, like the Olympic team coach for the United States is just a glue guy, right? <laughs> yeah, <He's, laughs> you know, he's he's a buy-in guy, just make sure everyone's happy and and <laughs> and content with the team, and you let the team play itself into you know, a gold medal because we will always have the talent to do that. Yeah, it's like the Phil It would Jackson make a lot of sense job. if he wanted to stay in coaching to do that. Yeah, it, it's like just sit there with the cheer, with the cheerleaders, have the pom-poms out, make sure everyone's happy. Sing kumbaya. You know, do a lot of, do a lot more like administrative stuff, you know, organize camps, mm-hmm. you know. But like a, a big part of being the United States, uh, like team coach is working with like the high schoolers and the, uh, um, the college kids who are like the next generation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, w- it would be an interesting thing. And I think the timelines in my head, the timelines line up. I ha- I'd have to like triple check, but yeah, this fucking delayed Olympic cycle is throwing me for loop. But <laughs> yeah, all right. So let's move on into the uh, three things. Enough about that. So the first thing that I saw that I was very excited about as a Pistons fan and someone who has kind of begrudgingly watched some Pistons games. <laughs> There's been a lot of, like, borderline hate <laughs> watching these Pistons. Um, and that's that lobs are back on the menu. Killian yes! had a pair of just gorgeous dimes. One, I think, to Diallo that was like... I, <laughs> that was like a that was like a Chris Paul kind of li- like a alley-oop. It was just picture perfect for a big lob, big jam. So that's the main thing is yeah, that the- let's make it fun. Let's have some fun. Yeah, the the other thing is like they're running. Yes. <laughs> they they're playing in transition a bit more and I think you're going to see that a little more even as the team kind of starts thinking in transition a little more. Yeah. Um cuz we've been one of the slower teams I think in the NBA personally this year too. the the lob to 
Sorry, what was that? We've been one of the slower teams in the NBA so far this year, so yeah, yeah that'd be nice yeah. to see. Dwayne Casey always plays slow. Yeah, <laughs> Dwayne Casey's always been a slow coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the lob to Stewart was actually like the harder lob. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it, it's one of those things where like you don't necessarily notice it right when it happens, but like he he's releasing that ball at full extension, um, like over a shot blocker. Mm-hmm. And if that ball goes, like, too high or too far or, like, pinpointing that is actually a little harder than, like, asking Hami to just, like, leap a little further. Yeah. You know, it's it's actually, like, Hami has a little bit of time to adjust if he needs to. And if you throw that behind Stewart, like, there's just no saving it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think, like, that gets – it might be a little underrated how difficult that release was for, for uh, Killian. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm really excited to see what he does. Uh, I talked about this one on on Twitter a little bit the other day, but like, there's an interesting dichotomy for Killian between what he was used to at Ulm and what Plumley gives him and what Stewart gives him, because Stu absolutely is not the kind of vertical threat that Plumley or his center at Ulm was. Yeah. Like Plumley is a guy who can just like go get stuff. Uh, he's really great at like leaping off either foot, mm-hmm. uh, two foot, one foot. He can jump, um, and he can also like when he's rolling to the rim, he can accelerate really quickly to the rim. The one thing in particular um, I like with Plumley when he kind of does those drives or not drives, but like does those rolls, is he does a really good job of like tracking the ball in the area. You could definitely tell he must have played some receiver at some point in in like high school because he does a really good job. Of, like well, tracking aren't the, the Plumleys a volleyball family? I think that's oh the thing, are, yeah Plumley's, they are aren't like they? famously a volleyball family. That would make sense. Um, but, like, so for, for Plumley, like, you see Plumley a lot of times, he'll, like, slip in the pick and roll, and he'll, like, get that running start really quick, and he'll he'll crash hard to the rim. And Stewart is much more of a, I'm going to set the screen, I'm going to work my footwork so that I seal my guy away from me when I, when I set the screen. Mm-hmm. I'll create that 2v1, and then you and I are going to, like, march down the lane and sink. And, you know, you can throw me the lob, but it needs to be near the rim because I'm just going to kind of touch it in. Yeah. You know, he doesn't he doesn't climb the ladder in the way that like a DeAndre Jordan type climbs the ladder. Um gotcha. and we saw a little bit early on in his first stint, Killian had a little bit of trouble with Plumley trying to figure things out. Um he seems to have Stewart figured out. He but um he he was rushing past screens in his first game especially. Like Stewart was coming up to set the screen and he hadn't even like settled yet before Killian you know, took it to the lane. And like, that's a thing where Killian might create an advantage for himself there, but he's kind of leaving Stewart behind and Stewart's not going to be able to recover into the play there. Um, so if he waits for Stu to make contact and then starts his drive, they'll be able to play that two V one in the lane and open up even a little more. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he, if he learns that, if they, if, you know, maybe Stewart popping, is an adjustment they can make when, when Killian wants to go downhill quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's kind of a really interesting wrinkle for him. Cause that's not something he had to deal with at all. Mm-hmm. All right. You got a, you got a thing you saw. Oh, do I have so many things? Um, let's uh, Killian's floater. Yep. He hit a couple in, uh, the last game. That's a big development. Cause he was really struggling with it. Uh, in his first stint, he's still not really aggressive getting to the rim. 
and he's still iffy on the shot. I think he's like one for four now um, mm. in this second stretch. Just in general, like he's... You're saying from three. I, I said this before. He's he's not um, he's not in rhythm when he's shooting these. His upper body shot is great. Um, like his, his elbow's in the right place. His, his release looks great. But his lower body has never been quite right. Part of it's because he's tried way more advanced footwork than he should be um you know a lot of the step backs and a lot of shooting off movement and a lot of the times uh we saw it in i think it was the last game like he caught a swing pass and then he thought about shooting wasn't sure dribbled into like mid-range and ended up taking like an 18 footer and it was just like if you shot that in rhythm first time i think you're good i think that you're, you're gonna get a good look yeah and because he's not comfortable and also because his default mode is to is to create he hasn't found that rhythm yet. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's really important for him to get the floater going because I don't think he's confident with shot blockers yet. I think he actually got kind of scared in those first couple games by some NBA shot blocking. He really didn't figure out the math behind that yet. Yeah, and that's going to take some time regardless. (laughs) Yeah, it always does. I mean, we saw this with Sadiq Bey, right? Sadiq Bey came in was just getting the shit kicked out of him around the rim. He, he started out finishing like 12% through like 10 games at the rim. Mm-hmm. And then he recovered. He learned how to use his shoulders and how to, how to seal guys off and how to be physical. I don't know if Killian's going to learn it quite as fast. Like Bay made that transition very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, he has to find a coping mechanism. And the obvious one is that floater, which was a pet shot for him uh, last year in Germany. So, it's important for him to find that shot. It looked good. Um, he's also, he made like that one uh, curling drive around the paint. He like took a handoff from, uh, I think it was Cook, yeah. that like they did a little two-man game. They ended up getting Cook down like halfway down the lane and he gave Killian a handoff and Killian arced it all the way around the left side of the rim and did like a big sweeping layup from... Um, probably like six or seven feet away from the rim. Mm-hmm. And like, those are the kinds of things we need to see a little more of him, uh, a little more of from him going forward is even if you're not willing to like engage shot blockers and get your body into guys, you know, how can you get shots on the rim and can you start being more aggressive about just getting them up? Cause if you get them up, um, you know, you may not have the most efficient rookie season ever, but you will start to figure things out and if he if he doesn't gamble and try and solve the problem he can't like learn from those mistakes yep so that's that's a big thing it's like you just have to start making those mistakes so we can learn from them exactly and this is kind of the perfect time to do it the pistons are going to be bad they're going to try and not prioritize losing but (laughs) they're not going to be going out there looking to win every single game so this is his time to make mistakes this is time to go out there and kind of learn the game so hopefully he gets the chance to and i think Hopefully he continues to stay healthy. We can see more of it. But I'm confident he just needs a little time to figure out his groove, figure out his rhythm, because he had, what, seven games at the beginning of the year? Something like that? So I don't think he had nearly yeah, enough plus, time uh, to kind I, of get in his I think it was seven time. official games and I think three preseason games. So I think he probably played like ten yeah. in total. So he just needs a little bit of time. We got to <laughs> – Pistons fans just got to relax, got to wait for him, for Seku. Like, Sadiq came out of the gates, not immediately, but pretty quickly – like kind of found his rhythm. You got to give Killian the same opportunity to kind of right. get on their. And you do have to remember, it's really important. These guys did not get a preseason. Yep. 
they didn't get the ability to like get their wind and work on their like game physicality um they didn't get to learn sets and make plays and practice like just the amount of like missed time um and this applies i think most dramatically to seku who i think desperately needed that offseason and really didn't get it Mm -hmm. not having that preseason was killer it's super impressive for Sadiq and Stewart that they came in, um, you know, and, and did this well this early. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's more, uh, it's more impressive that they did it than it is disappointing that, uh, Killian and, uh, Seku struggled mm-hmm. to me. Yep. Definitely. All right. So the second thing that I noticed, this is going to be kind of a quick hitter, um, is in regards to Josh Jackson. So Josh just lit it up against my Wizards. <laughs> he kind of single-handedly carried the Pistons to a win. And I know he's had a bit of an up-and-down season, but I thought that was a good a good game to kind of remind people that Josh Jackson can perform like that, but it's not going to be something you should expect all the time. Josh Jackson is going to be in his best when he's in a role that's more defined. And I think that's something that he's kind of been looking for kind of throughout his, his career in the NBA. And when he does have a role, which I feel like Dwayne Casey has done a good job of kind of giving him kind of a role and a spot to be in, um, kind of coming off the bench, being a kind of doing his priority as a defender, but also getting some shots up. He's not going to be, you know, the main <laughs> microwave scorer off the bench, but at the same time, he's going to get his, his shot to get some shots up. So I think it's kind of a reminder that in today's NBA, like every single pick isn't going to turn out to be, you know, James Harden. It's not going to turn out to be LeBron James. And even for a former lottery, a former top five pick, like it's not even a guarantee that they're going to be like a, like a skilled NBA starter in today's league. But for someone like Josh Jackson, just finding that role and finding that spot where he's comfortable and he can come in and on nights like against Washington when he's feeling it, they can ask a little bit more out of him and get a little bit more. And I think that's something that he's just kind of been looking for his whole career. And I hope that maybe not even on the Pistons, but maybe moving forward just for him, he can find that on a team and be successful. Because I think he's still got a lot of talent there. And it shows in kind of games like that. And you can see flashes of it all the time. So that's just kind of a... Yeah. <laughs> I kind of took Josh Jackson and kind of expanded on it a little bit in general. But um, he's definitely been, I would say... Even through the ups and downs of the season, he's still been a success story and kind of showed that he can get it done, even on a even on a bad team. He can still come in and put some good work in. Yeah, it, and it's it's a good point that reflects to how I felt about um, about Isaiah Stewart mm-hmm. a lot. I, I get a lot of pushback when I say that I think Isaiah Stewart is probably like a really good backup or like the fifth guy if he's a starter. And there's a lot of people like, oh my God, no, I think <laughs> Isaiah Stewart's an all-star, you know, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, it's it's fine. It's really, really, really good mm-hmm. if Isaiah Stewart is like a 25-minute-a-night backup. That's awesome. That's vastly exceeding any expectation you could have ever had, not just for his, like, draft projection, which we've, we've you know, mea culpa's all around. I didn't see this out of him. 100% he's exceeded my expectations there. But statistically from, uh, was he the 16th pick? I thought he was. I think it was. 16 or 15, one of those two. You know, from from that region, players picked there 
don't even average a second contract. Yeah. <laughs> Pistons don't you know, the average right, the average player picked that late in the draft is usually like a a mediocre role player. You know, so just getting a, a guy who can play like when I say uh, Isaiah Stewart is like a a good role playing bench guy, you know, I'm talking about for a title contender. That's his role. You know, if if you're you know the Pistons of recent past and you're trying to win 42 games, sure he can be your starter. You probably want a little more out of out of him if you're trying to win 55 and and be a one seed. But like when you're looking at Josh Jackson, exactly like you said, it's really good for him to just be a sixth man candidate, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what he's kind of trying. That's, that's the role he's playing himself into is being, you know, get me 14 points a night off the bench. You know, can you do it a little more efficiently than I think he's done it of late? He's had some, some struggles, um, you know, and like if you let the role paper over some of the cracks in his game, like he's still not, the the most prolific passer like he's he's a very talented passer but he just kind of gets tunnel vision and his defense can be really good when it's high and he can also just kind of phase himself out of the game or foul crazy and like he's got a lot of flaws Mm -hmm. but because he's starting to play in this role where you know his minutes are contained to um coming off the bench and stuff like it's a really good spot for him yeah and it's it's a really good lesson to learn when you're looking at other people. Like, it may be that Seku isn't who we always want him to be. But if you give him time to develop skills, if all you get out of Seku is, you know, a guy who plays 18 minutes a night at the four and can, you know, do some pick and pops and guard, you know, bigger forwards for a little bit, like... That's not great, but also he was Seku. What was he? The fifteenth pick. Seku was the fifteenth pick. Yep. Like he fell pretty hard mm-hmm. um, from where he was projected, but like again, if that's what you get, vastly outperforming what you expect from that pick. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, I w- so you you have to just trust in, in that development and find these roles for these guys and. Um, allow what they are now to inform how you expect them to progress. You know, don't don't be attached to uh, third pick, uh, first round pick. You know, don't be attached to who you who you were excited for on draft day, and start reading into what they are now and how they can perform. You know, and w- what you might project a role for them being in a legitimate team. And you'll start to have better expectations for people, and you'll you'll start to be pleasantly surprised when people like Josh Jackson come good. Exactly, yeah. And I think, especially on your point about how the 16th pick it can be such a crapshoot, I looked through some of the previous drafts. So in 2019, which is a bit of an exception, it was Chumo Kiki who fell because of injury. So I'm going to leave him off there. And there are some, there's definitely some people who have came out and been really good, but there've been more people that have came out and been nobodies. To go to 2018. Let me get back over here. 2018, 16th pick was Zier Smith, which <laughs> ask the 76ers fans what they think of him right now, because he has been shipped around left and right through the league. 
the year before, Justin Patton, who is, is he in the league? Look, Pistons legend Justin Patton to you. <laughs> I know, but is he G League? Where I don't know where he's at. That's twenty seven. I want to say he ended up on the Thunder for some reason. I'm going to say he might have been. Nope, he is currently on the I, Rockets, or at least was on the Rockets. Yeah, he he got bounced. He, he got. Bounced. I think he ended up on the Thunder for some, but he got like caught and bounced and whatever. But yeah, I think he is currently on the Rockets. Twenty sixteen. Um, uh, Yabusele. I'm not trying with the first name. Don't even ask me. 2015. French Draymond. What was that? Oh, yeah, French Draymond. That's what he was. I was like, I I never yeah. recognize the name for some reason. I think his first name is Gershon. Gershon, I think, was my best guess. Yeah. Which I think was not far off. Before that, Terry Rozier, who did turn out pretty good. Yusuf Norkic did turn out pretty good. So there are definitely success stories. And then we got <laughs> Lucas. How did Boston? Boston has like the 16th pick every single year. That is really weird. <laughs> Uh, they had Lucas Noga, fuck, Nagaria. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. But, like, those are so many examples of players who had, first of all, I can't name, so that makes it kind of hard. Um, but also are just, they didn't turn out to be anything, and they didn't even sniff a second contract. So, well, right now, it's, if, it's important to note that a couple of them got injured, and, like, yeah, I mean, there, that's there's not, always going to be things that happen. It's, Don't it's, get me wrong. Well, but that's exactly my point. Sometimes you have to understand that, that, like, things happen. So just allowing somebody to be healthy and progress is actually a huge advantage to where some of these guys have. Like, almost every player goes through a major injury. Mm -hmm. And when when it happens to you when you're 21 and you're just trying to figure things out and that's, like, a hugely critical year in your development, sometimes that just cripples guys. Like, Zaire Smith should have been better than this. You know, and he has this crazy um, near-death experience, a, and it's an over, elder, right? Yeah, it, 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 like just a lot. Just the fact that certain people are able to play and progress and learn during these critical stages is huge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like I said, I think I agree with you. I don't think Isaiah Stewart's going to be more than like a like a fringe starter slash first guy off the bench. I think that's kind of where his ceiling is at, but that's still a win. That's still a positive, like absolutely draft note. Absolutely, especially when we look at some of the Pistons draft picks recently. All right, is it one of my three things here? Yep. Um, Seiko. Yes. We finally got him off the bench. It feels great. He had a good game. I I don't. Do you have the stat line pulled up? I don't have the stat line pulled up. I in think front it was like me. five for eleven. I don't have it off the top of my head, but I can pull it off here in a second if you let me just keep wow, talking wow. and ramble you're just, on. You're letting me down. Eventually I'll find let it me down. before you get to it. Um, I have it. Was, I have it. 14 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, um, 3 fouls, 1 turnover. But, like, he played aggressively. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was pulling the trigger aggressively, which doesn't... Uh, when you're not a good shooter, that doesn't seem good, but half his issues as a shooter come from the fact that he's been, like, absolutely terrified to shoot and get pulled recently. Yeah. So, like, just the fact that he's willing to pull the trigger is awesome. Um, five for 11 from the field total, uh, two for six from three, uh, two or two from the line, which, like, by the way, Seku is another guy where, like, most of his issues as a shooter come from his feet. Yeah. It doesn't come from up top. 
Like, he's a pretty good free throw shooter. He was shooting 80% in the G League uh, last year. He was a pretty good free throw shooter overseas when before he came here. Like, he's he has so much to learn about shot preparation and about, like, establishing rhythm and using certain, like, cheats to get his rhythm. He will be, eventually, a decent shooter. Mm-hmm. But, more importantly, you saw him attacking Pokashevsky off the dribble. Um, you saw him attacking Poku, um, like, using his physicality and using his weight and getting into his body. And, like, yes, Poku is the youngest player in the league and, like, the most underweight player in the league. And everyone should do that. But it's been a thing Seku hasn't recognized in the past. It has been, like, the the where he has mismatches and how to exploit them. So the mere fact that he recognized and exploited that and ended this game at plus 12 is huge. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yep. Um, and one of my points I was going to make later on was that I want to see more of the French connection. I want to see more Seku and Killian playing together. Because I feel <laughs> well, like... That was my Twitter joke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there must it. be a French connection badge in 2K because as, oh, as, as soon as Killian starts passing to Seiko, it's like plus 10 three-point shooting. I know. Plus 10 transition <laughs> offense. I was like, a couple of like Killian's assists were just like kickouts to Seku who just knocked it down. I'm like, maybe there's just, just something like the way he passes up the ball and just puts some perfume on it or something and just Seku nails it or something because they were <laughs> well, definitely seem very that's comfortable something You have to talk about with Killian. That's like, it's really hard to explain. His passing accuracy and quality is just so far above what people are used to. Um, Mm -hmm. Blake Griffin had that as well, where like, yeah, they make the pass, but they make the pass, you know, earlier than the defense expects, you know, it arrives on time in rhythm, um, you know, in the correct like spot, you know, it hits guys in the bread basket. It doesn't hit them at the ankles. It doesn't hit them above their head. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, passing quality is a, is a thing you're going to see out of Killian Hayes that we're not necessarily the most used to. Um, but, yeah, we got um, we got a, a coast-to-coast transition attack. We got him breaking guys down off the dribble. We had the, uh, the catch on the left wing, uh, like a drive into the paint, the, the spin move, and then the kick out to somebody for three. Mm-hmm. Um, like... And then also, like, Pokushevsky may not be the best defender in the world. I think actually for if we don't have any Thunder, Pans, Thunder fans that listen to this podcast, I guarantee that. Yeah. But uh, if you were one, let me tell you, Poku will be good. Love me some Poku. Uh, didn't have us. the most faith of him in the draft because, like, I wasn't sure about the weight. I, I dramatically underestimated how smooth an athlete he is. He is going to be really, really, really good. Um, he's Mario Hazonia 2.0. Like, Tell me I'm wrong. No. Yes. No. Yes. Um, no, he's he's already doing more in the NBA than Mario ever did. He's he's so much He's definitely shooting more. Than I'll Mario tell you that is. much. Um, and, like, he's a tricky player to guard. <laughs> and Seku did a really great job on him. Well, and he, there's, he like, wants so to there's Carl Anthony Towns. He wants to sit at the three point line and dribble with the damn ball. It's like you're seven foot tall, man. I don't. I don't. Uh, he, I don't... Yeah, but that's that's what Poku is. He's he's not Carl Anthony Towns. He's he's wants to be Kevin Durant, right? He wants to be the long, lanky yeah, crossover. And his handle is he has that those tools. He just needs to get strong enough to like absorb contact. 
Um, you know, like he's got like Poka's got a good first step and really good feet. And for Seku to stick with him as well as he did was really impressive. I, I was very, very happy with this Seku performance. There were a lot of people saying it was his best of the year. I happen to like that game. He played center quite a bit. Yeah. I think that was a much more informative game for me. Um, you know, we only see him collect three rebounds in 23 minutes this game. Mm-hmm. And we've seen him in other games collect like seven or eight when he plays near the rim. Um, you know, I, I don't... I How do I put it? I think this was a great advertisement for what you can get if you just let him play with some confidence. Yep, you got to give um, him some run. I yep. still... Yeah, I still don't think that this was like, oh, this is the role I want to see Seiko in all the time because there was... Most of this is still just him making stuff up as he goes along and in games that aren't against a relatively bad team in the thunder that doesn't work and you have to help him a little bit and we still need to see that out of out of Dwayne Casey but yeah we we got a Seku game and it was a Seku game that was good enough to encourage him to see some more times so yeah and uh, very happy all right my one last three things uh, I'm gonna be really quick but <laughs> just a little salty because Tony Bradley and his limited minutes for the Thunder look pretty good. And I'm like, damn, he would be nice to have on a cheap contract if he was actually getting some minutes. I like him. I still like him. But call me crazy. Yeah, he he uh, does basic basketball stuff really well. <laughs> and it's... Um, he's, he's a pretty good like north-south athlete, and he is a well-coached player. Obviously has some severe limitations in certain areas, but like um, there was absolutely no reason to move him on and then pick up uh, Okafer. Yeah. Like, yeah. none. Like, that especially, yeah. That was just brutal. But, I mean, it, it kind of boils back down to, the, like, the famous, like, line of if you're seven feet tall and you can walk and chew gum, you can play in the NBA. And he can do those two things very well in addition to some other things. So, it kind of, I don't know. I just felt like he'd be a good person to have around on the Pistons, a good young guy who could... I'm not expecting the world from him, but he'd be a decent player to have on that team. And I don't know why they got rid of him. And he looked good. Okay. Um, where to go for the last one? I have so many do you options. Do you want to do the so many things. things you'd like so, to see? So some real real quick hitters here. Uh, Isaiah Stewart continues to shoot jumpers really, really well. Um, mm-hmm. If you talked to people who saw him uh, prior to the draft, it's like... A lot of us expected him to shoot jumpers. I think he's translated it faster than I expected, and I think probably faster than the Pistons as a whole expected. But uh, the jumper was always real. Um, I always, I always thought that was going to be the case, and he's he's starting to convert really well. I also really like that he's like taking jab step jumpers, um, which I did not really know if he was going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's actually like willing to just kind of fire over contests. Um, we didn't talk about it earlier because because we I we I was excited uh, that we should have done a news segment where we talked about the fact that Tyler Cook just got signed officially. Um, oh, I didn't see that. Which actually, means yeah. that you did not. Oh, um, it just happened maybe an hour before we started recording. Okay. But Tyler Cook is uh, signed for the rest of the season on a minimum contract. Uh, that means that Saban Lee will not get a full contract, which is a bit of a risk mm-hmm. um 
it means obviously he gets to go into this offseason with a little bit of leverage to go out and ask for, you know, call call his own shot in free agency if he wants to. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so Tyler Cook will be here. He has started playing better of late. There's still some issues with him. Um, I mean, he had a couple dunks last night there. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, the velocity he puts on the ball going through the rim is pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> he he gets up, but more importantly, the ball comes down. The ball straight goes down, down with very with hard, force. very fast. You gotta watch out below. He does att- like um, violently attack the rim. So uh it's we'll we'll see how that impacts like Seku's minutes going forward. You know, that's that's a pretty big risk. It seems like Dwayne Casey really likes Tyler Cook. Yeah. Um which is a little weird to me because Tyler Cook he's playing him at the four and doesn't have a role for Tyler Cook and Cook is not that great a defensive player whatever um, some of Dwayne Casey's quick like, hitter, staffing decisions or rotation decisions don't make sense in the in a vacuum so just let it be yeah. uh, Hamadou Diallo is shooting 55% from three in Detroit <laughs> yeah uh, that's been... not sustainable no it is but I it's sustainable it. don't lie <laughs> it's gonna happen uh, it's uh also, not coincidentally, uncoincidentally, ignore what I said. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's also the highest volume of threes he's ever taken yeah. by a pretty significant margin. He's basically doubling his previous uh, attempt rate. Mm-hmm. So it may just be part of it is like he's um, feeling more confident and more enabled to shoot than he did in OKC. But uh, something to keep in mind, he's also looked pretty solid shooting two-pointers. His form has significantly improved since his college years. He's been working on that pretty aggressively with uh, various coaching staffs in OKC and now Detroit. So it's nice to see it paying off even a little bit. Hopefully it gives him confidence to keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, my God, is he an athlete? Yes, he is. Like, and, and... He's smooth, man. Yeah, he like looks the, like the, if you would if you would expect to see an NBA player, like he checks all the boxes. He just looks yeah. the part. The the how do I put it? like you know how when you see some guys like drive a manual car and when they shift the car lurches. Yeah, <laughs> there's exactly. some athletes where it's like that, where like getting from like third to fourth gear is like a thing for them, and with Hami. He gets up through the gears, and there's no bumps in there. You know, he, just so fluid. So smooth. Um, it, he, he's looking great. Really excited about that, you know. Um, I'm really curious to kind of see what we do with him in free agency, but we'll talk about that more in the future. Yeah, I he's going to get paid. I don't know what he's what he's going to get paid, but he's going to get paid. Yep. Um, we'll see if the Detroit tax comes in. Nice, nice to see Svee have a nice game in OKC, by the way. Yep, I did have a note on um, that as well. He looked pretty... A <laughs> little bit of a revenge game, he's, maybe? He's a, he's actually been really, really good for OKC so far. He's Duncan. He's been athletic. They've I think they've got a little more space for him to play in. He's, he was he's just, benefited pretty well from that. He was in all the right places defensively against us. He was just jumping the passing lanes but he, all over the place. Yeah, he... he I, I said this a lot. He was a lot better here in Detroit than people gave him credit for. And, part, and a lot of it was just he couldn't shoot for shit at the end. Yeah. And I don't know why. You were a speed there was, you know. Hard. He, he was finishing at the rim really well. He's still a, a, a rapidly improving passer, I think. 
and he's better defensively than he gets credit for. Um, he's not Hami. Um, one last note on Hamadou. Uh, I'm, I am done watching him get back cut by people for no reason. Uh, he's the only guy I've ever seen get back cut while he's defending the break <laughs> on like, I, a regular basis. I feel like I've seen that a couple so, like, times. <laughs> pe- people who, well, and I mean like consistently. So pe- people who don't know what I'm talking about, the breakers were like the, the straight line from the corner three-point turns into the arc. And Hami will be guarding that guy and then start ball watching and then look back at his guy and just kind of like watch his guy cut behind him. And then he goes, oh shit, I have to <laughs> defend that. And then he gets dunked on. And it's happened like four times. And it's just really weird because he's a really good defender and a like a pretty active help defender. Yeah. And it's really only that spot on the floor that he gets back cut, but it happened to him twice in the OKC game. I was just like, what? I don't, I don't understand why you, he's got a blind spot there. This, okay. But what? He's, sure. It gets you there. Um, things you want to see. What do you got? Things I want to see. So we already touched on the French connection. I have used that pun up. Um, the other kind of big thing that I yeah, want to see... Yeah, but see, if Killian makes a second pass to him, then it's the French reconnection. <laughs> and then it's the French re-reconnection. Somebody stop you. And then it's the French, oh shit, the cable's busted, I need to go find another one. <laughs> <laughs> Is there another French guy in this draft? Can we just keep... Just like a, have an all-French team? I, um, uh, I think so. There, um, I'm sure there's somewhere. Uh, what's what's Dia doing? Can we, can we trade for Batum? <laughs> I, oh, man, too far, too far. <laughs> <laughs> pull it back, pull it back. Um, anyways, so get back on topic, because um, we were already at 45 minutes. Jeez almighty. Um, so something I want to see is the Pistons to rest veterans a little bit more. Um, like, I'm looking specifically at Corey Joseph. Why is Corey Joseph playing 25 to 30 minutes a night, every single night? Like, <laughs> I get that, you know, you kind of want to see what he can do or something like that, but... He doesn't need to be playing that much. Like we need to, for for the just, record, we talked about this earlier. We do want to tank. Yeah, well, we do. We do want to tank. Kojo is helping the tank. tank and find out what your guys are on the process. I want to see if you know how much we want to pay a save and lead this off season. I want to. I'm pretty sure he's our th- he's our worst point guard right now. So, I mean, yeah, but that's fine. What's, I mean, <laughs> if we win an extra game just because we made Kojo sit the bench, so be it. Like. He's gone the offseason anyways. I care more about finding out what we're getting out of these players. No, I, I, I definitely agree. More more uh, Jeremy Grant, too. Like, there's no reason to make Jeremy yeah. Grant play 36 minutes in these Give games. the man some rest. He, um, he looks tired in a lot of these games. Like, he... I don't think he's played nearly this many right. minutes in a year, so... Yeah, and... Uh, um, sitting Mason Plumley once every four games, you know, for some made-up injury yeah. it's, is this both is what... a good way to, to preserve his health and also, you know, give you an excuse to play some other guys. So This is what this is yeah. what NBA teams do at the end of the year. Like, come on. Let's, let's do it. Let's not let let's not let uh, Dwayne Casey, like, take over and make sure they have to play. We don't want another well, play and, Griffin. And to Casey's credit, I'm pretty sure at the end of last year, like, there was some not-so-subtle oh, yeah. uh, guys sitting. Like, he... I, I think going into the, this last twenty games, especially now that Killian's back, I think we're going to see that a little more often. Like I expect, I expect uh, Jeremy Grant to probably play like fifteen to the twenty. 
um, he, they do not seem to be uh, as a whole like the staff does not seem to be fans of the less minutes idea mm -hmm. like um, you know even for Blake Griffin when he was here they were like it doesn't matter Blake will play 36 minutes we'll just rest him when we think he needs that <laughs> yeah. I I don't necessarily agree with that philosophy i hard disagree with i that. never have um in today's nba like the, the thing that everyone knows is that you have to like set and plan specifically when to give people rest like these schedules are made up so it's like oh this is a back-to-back -back. well you're probably gonna lose the second game so might as well rest some starters like well and you know we we see it um we see it talked about a lot in soccer. You don't see it talked about oh, yeah, as much yep. in basketball, but like in soccer, they talk very explicitly about like the squad rotation. Players have a number of, well, but they say like players have a number of sprints and, uh, you know, they talk about like the red zone in soccer a lot. You hear that. And like, they'll be like this player made like three, four, five full speed sprints to the ball in this game. That's all they have. Uh, you know, if they get to seven, they're risking a hamstring injury every time. Mm. Interesting. Um, you know, because they're basically like if you're if all you're doing is jogging around the field, and um, you know you're playing at sixty percent speed. Like if you're playing the defensive midfield, and you're you know you're you're in Man City and you're playing a possession game all game, um, you're not really at risk for anything. You can play ninety minutes like that. But if you're doing that and you're, you know, you're a 32-year-old midfielder and suddenly you're asked to, to make three recovery sprints in 30 minutes, your medical staff in soccer might be like, he's red zoned, you need to sub him, hmm. you know, because if you ask him to make one more chase down, uh, the odds you know, we predict kind of like thing. a significant increase in, in risk. Yeah. Um, we don't see that in basketball as much because it's, it's constant, the, the, the high speed... Um, you know, twitch athleticism is required on a much more regular basis, so guys' bodies are much more prepared for that. But it's still a thing that, like, you should be managing minutes. You should be managing not just minutes, but like managing touches and, um, like with Blake Griffin, it, it wasn't just like you're playing 35 minutes. It's that you're playing 35 minutes and every possession runs through you. Yeah, when you're the you know, point. so you're taking so much abuse in every every possession. So. We'll, well, again, I don't, I don't agree with the way the Pistons have handled things. Been very vocal about that, um, but they have rested guys. They've come up with baloney excuses to rest guys repeatedly. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like uh, Wayne has sat multiple times this season for things that I'm pretty sure they just made up. Yeah, so be it. That's that's fine. I, that's what you want to see. So. More of that. More of that's good. I will say that uh, that um, whole soccer point that you made was definitely an article from like the Athletic that you sent me, and I was like, that is way too long. I am not reading that. <laughs> uh, 110%. <laughs> you've sent some article on that, and I'm like, nope, not I a chance. I'm sure I've sent many things. That's <laughs> the, the sports science stuff is, I think, one of the most fascinating things that our generation of, of sports fans are going to learn and discover because it's... I, uh, I agree, but... I opened up the, the link and the probably analytics. <laughs> well, just the like, I think everybody looks at like analytics from a from a tactical perspective and like how can these analytics influence uh, my tactics and what I do on the court and like this the uh, uh, Mori Ball stuff and like actually I think the biggest 
change you're going to see from the analytics movement as it continues to invade sports is in medical science mm. and how we manage recovery yep. and and load for these athletes yep. because you uh i i mentioned this on twitter earlier but like one of the big arguments to going to less games in the nba season we saw last year in the bubble was like as soon as these players didn't have to travel oh yeah they just the bubble basketball was so much more fun mm-hmm. and like that's the kind of thing like we have a lot of evidence that managing people properly gives you better product yep and i think part of a big part of analytics especially the tracking data as we start to see um not just like what guys are doing but like how hard they're working you're going to see a lot of improvements in there um something i want to see going forward uh i want to see some time for for servitas davidas <laughs> yeah davidas servitas excuse me i, I will um, i will say before we start going into this I love his shot. Like watching it in like an NBA floor, like that release is so high, it's so quick. I, I, you're obviously the shot doctor yeah, on this, but fast. I love it. Yeah, um, I just I think like clearly he's he's way down in the pecking order. He, he should be like that's the that's all the fair. Order. He's the one at the bottom um, receiving all the shit. Exactly, uh, but like he's coming in a few games uh, and all in garbage time but like he has done the obvious like he's he's made shots um and i just think at some point like dave has proven that he's like a a really good nba shooter i think he's looked like his uh from a physical perspective he's not like this guy we saw in summer league two years ago like he he looks like he can just exist on an nba floor without getting the shit kicked out of him he won't just evaporate so um you know i just want to see like can we get a second quarter stretch where we get to see dave as the pick and pop for for a little bit um you know give him six minutes of like real nba action i want to see what he looks like playing defense we haven't really seen that yet yeah um i'm not saying it's he's yeah i agree with that i don't think i don't think it's something that needs to be an every every night kind of thing but if no, he doesn't no, get like no. a couple runs by the end of the season, I'd be kind of upset. Right. I, I would I would just love a three game stretch where Dave gets eleven minutes. The problem you know, just the... just to see what, what's going on. Because uh you signed him to a real contract. Like he's he's gonna be here for a little while. Um and he he interests me quite a bit because as as you said, the shot is great. He so, it looks so great. Um and, like, when he came in, like, when he was drafted, he was a little shorter and certainly a lot skinnier. And the comparison you heard a lot for him was Luke Kennard. And it was like, he's a taller Luke Kennard. Um, and I certainly made the comparison. That's what that's the kind of game he was playing at the youth level. So if you're telling me that, like, with a little bit more physical development and a little bit more time, Dave can become a guy who obviously hits corner threes but can also maybe make one, two dribble um drives out of the corner and you know maybe he can make some obvious passes and you know just show a little craft on the ball like if he can hit shots uh hit pick and pop shots do a little bit off one or two dribbles and then do anything on defense you know you have an nba player there like that's a myers leonard and uh you know maybe he ends up being like anthony tolliver that's awesome yep 
Um, so I, I just want to see where where we're at in that development, and that's it's um, like you said, it doesn't have to be. I'm not asking for him to average 18 minutes for the rest of the season. That's obviously uh, yeah. It's it's an extremely packed area of the rotation as is. Yep. Yeah. So that's the point I was going to um, make. It's we not so going to happen. Kind of guards and guards wings. Like there's just so much overlap for minutes. So that's probably why he hasn't gotten the shot yet. So give some people some rest. Let him come out there and let him see what he can do. Just one of those games where, like, oh, uh, um, you know, Jeremy and, and Plumley are both sitting for uh, cough, cough reasons, mm-hmm. uh, and let's just give Dave some time. Obviously, uh, Cook is now going to be also clamoring for some of those minutes. But, but Cook's got some. Yeah, Cook's I just, some I'd like to see more Servetus, uh, more Dave time. Yep, and 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 when we do that, make sure to put a shot collar on Casey. So when Servetus makes like a stupid like pass or like forgets his man on defense that Casey can't immediately pull him. Yeah. It's like sit him out there and let him learn for a minute. Just let it be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Anything else you want to see? So I got one more kind of small thing that I'm going to touch on, which is, I know you had already talked about this last week, but I kind of got to experience a little bit more this week. Bali sports. What is going on with that scoreboard? It irks me it's so awful. much. Like, I know a lot of people have been talking about the hate on the ticker and all that. I'm fine with you showing the scores because you, you're a like a gambling company and you want everyone to know kind of where their bets are doing as a gambler i appreciate that keep it at the bottom keep the score somewhere else so it's not like every time i look down try and find the score i gotta like figure out where the like point total is i know it's in the same spot but it's like it it takes my attention ridiculous it's uh yeah i i said this earlier like if they want to do it the way they're doing it and have that ticker like bring the ticker up in um like dead ball situations like have have the ticker hidden i'm fine uh, with it being there at the bottom or something just keep it right right now you have uh they have a gray bar underneath the scoreboard yeah and maybe this is just the resolution i'm watching it no 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 Um, it's there at all it's it's i'm pretty sure at least well it might be like i don't know if there's certain tvs that are um like 16 10 or something like but like you know you have space that you can put this information in and you can like hide it and during live play and then like during free throws you bring it up mm-hmm. and you know what if if you're if they're running back after the free throws and you still have some ticker to go through that's fine you know you you play it out in live play stop doing and starting shit in live play that pisses me off i don't want yeah. your animation to start animating in the middle of live basketball yeah because that's that that is very distracting. Anytime something is moving on your screen, I'm gonna look at it because that's that's how our eyes and brains work, and I hate that. Uh, also, your logo is shit. Yeah, it's really bad. When I clip games and I see that stupid B up in the corner, it makes me sad every time. That's kind of a shame. Like I miss. I can't say this. I miss Fox Sports. Fuck. That's where we're at. Anything else you want to see? We are Fox Sports. We are Detroit. Detroit. <laughs> it's always weird the audio whenever I like watch a different stream and it'd be like, "We are Denver." Oh God, like, no! Like, we are. <laughs> what was it like Cleveland or something? We are. It was like Charlotte. Oh God, that sounds weird. Excuse you? <laughs> what? Now? You are what? Maybe they had Kansas, they, like, maybe Kansas City. I'm thinking of the, like flag colors and so it's like, Whoa, do not like. <laughs> just, uh, I'm sure everyone else is the same thing, but <laughs> just it's weird. All right. Yeah, so I would I would optimize that a little better for your user experience, please. Yep. 
That's the last time we'll touch on that because I know we talked about the last two weeks. It is absolutely not. Last time I'm <laughs> going to bring it up. up. I'm sure repeatedly. you will. <laughs> I make no such promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else we got? Um, no more Killian and Corey Joseph minutes. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the last thing on my list. It makes no fucking sense. Um, especially the way Corey Joseph has been playing. I just, I nobody needs that. Stop it. No, now Killian saved uh, me. I don't, I don't think okay anybody needs to go into this. We, we stop it. I'm, more more Killian and Hamadou together. Yes, because I think that duo together is awesome. Uh, I think that's the best backcourt. Literally, we have nobody wants right to watch Corey Joseph and Killian Mitz, including Corey Joseph and Killian Hayes. <laughs> so stop. Anything else? No, I think uh, you want to move on to our prospect of the week. Yep, we'll do this really quick because I know we're already running over on time. Um, so with Fuck the um, NCAA tournament just wrapping up uh, last night, um, I think the player for me, like the top end draft prospect that I thought had the best tournament and probably helped himself the most. It might have put his name into the discussion, maybe not necessarily for number one, but I think definitely number two, which is, of course, Jalen Suggs. So tell us about Jalen. Um, so Suggs is an interesting one for me. I'm a little lower on him than a lot of people. I would agree um, with that. I think people are way up on him right now, especially. I personally have had him at number five on my board for a while. Really? He yeah, and it's it's one of those things like Jalen Suggs. Um, Laz actually tweeted something the other day, where he he like kind of assumed that I was a big Suggs guy, and like it makes a lot of sense that I would be. Mm-hmm. Like you're, we're talking about a dude who's six foot four. Um, I don't have a listed wingspan. I'm guessing it'd be like six 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 seven. Uh, he's just like a big guard, super athletic. Uh, Really great explosion, really great first step. Um, good, good, solid build. Like two hundred and five pounds is what he's listed at. Uh, that's a that's a really great size for a guard. Mm-hmm. And he's just he competes. He does all the little things. So in that regard, very much a, a prospect I like. Um, my issue with Suggs is that I don't trust his shot at all. Really? Wow. Um, not at all. He is one of those guys who, like, he's a gamer, and he has, like, big shot, uh, like, big-time threes, and so people think he's a better shooter than he is. Uh, he's shooting 34% on threes, and these are Gonzaga threes. Yeah. Like, a large amount of his threes that he's shot for Gonzaga have been very open. Um, what about from, like, the free throw line? Because I know that's always, like, the correlation between college and 76%. So not not great, terrible. Not great. His like tankathon has like a, a formula they use to like project three point percentage. Uh, it's usually pretty good. Uh, they project him at thirty five percent. Okay. So he it's not like he's a non shooter, mm-hmm. but we're talking about like a John Wall here, right? Like we're talking about a guy who might put up shots. They're not going to go in. He's going to need a lot of work mm-hmm. on the overall jumper. Um, we're also talking about a guy, he doesn't really have a mid-range game, uh, doesn't really have a floater, and his finishing at the rim is a little funky. Um, my big thing that I've seen with him, I wonder if he has small hands. He has this thing where he fumbles the ball a lot. 
like he'll be dribbling and he'll just like need to like gather the ball in midair for a second and like kind of get away with a carry because he like lost it on a crossover. Yeah. Or around the rim, he'll have like he'll be going up for a scoop shot and he'll just kind of lose the ball. Yeah, I mean, looking, um, looking at his stats, he averaged three turnovers a game, which when you're on Gonzaga, <laughs> that's that's a lot. Well, and like. The three turnovers, like you're, he's a primary ball handler, and uh, in like the utilitarian systems, like a uh, Gonzaga, um, you end up with a lot of turnovers because like you're the guy that gets trapped, and you're the guy that like has to take a lot of the silly turnovers, um, and you don't get a chance to pad your assist stats because um, everyone's handling the ball, so you end up taking all the the bad stuff and none of, and not getting an obtuse amount of the good stuff. Uh, I'm not that worried about his turnover okay. stuff. It's just one of those things where it's like, he he has a couple of these little flaws, and, um, you know, apart from that, he does everything really, really well. Yeah. Like, again, uh, he's a very good passer. Uh, he's a very good, strong rebounder. He's a good defender. He gets up into guys. Um, he can be a little foul prone at times. Um, but like he fills out the box score with a lot of stuff and, uh, like that's not lying to you. Like he's, he's absolutely doing the right thing in a lot of these situations. Um, and in like NBA spacing, he's going to be a guy who gets assists and stuff. No problem. Like that. I, I have no issues with him, um, from like a, um, from for, he he's going to be able to drive. He's going to be able to to make passes. He'll be able to run pick and rolls, and he'll be able to defend. My question will be: How long does it take for him to become uh, a decent three point shooter? How long does it take for him to figure out the finishing um, and just kind of really secure that? Because I if he's not finishing at a high rate, you end up with like some Westbrook type stuff where like Russ is not actually a good at rim finisher if he's not dunking like his numbers are really good because russ dunks everything in sight yeah when he's not dunking he has like a really strange lack of touch around yeah, the rim touch sometimes. is not russ's uh, uh strong suit i will say as somebody who's watched a decent bit of wizards right so like and and i don't think suggs is quite that like that level of dunker but uh no <laughs> so like there's there's, there's very few people that polish. are <laughs> no exactly um and the other thing is, like, he doesn't have that mid-range game at all. There's no mid-range jumper, not really a floater game. Um, so, like, if he can add a floater, if he can add, um, like, again, bringing up Russ, like, Russ has that, like, quick stop and pop mid-range shot. He loves to shoot from, like, the 16, 17-foot range. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, so, some ways to make sure the defense is staying honest on him. Uh, that's really good. I, like... He's he's Suggs is one of those guys like everyone loves him because he's a very intense player and he's made a lot of moments and stuff like that and I think a lot of people saw his um, a lot of people especially around us saw the Iowa game yeah uh, he went off and he goes seven for ten from three and they think he's like a lot better shooter than he is yeah so he's one of those guys like if you have another guard prospect that you're really high on. Like, let's say the Suns were in this draft. Like, I would love a Suggs uh, Booker backcourt. Like, it makes so much sense. Or, he's a Minnesota kid, 
on the wolves, uh, Suggs and Edwards' backcourt makes so much sense. By D'Angelo. Uh, you're lacking a little <laughs> bit of shooting there, but like, and, and, you know, ignore the fact that Delo's there. Uh, <laughs> just put him in a corner. But like, that makes a lot, because you just have this guy who's going to do don't, everything right just, and let someone else shine. Just don't give Delo a camera in and, that corner. And so, you know, you're going to have this guy, like, I think Suggs is probably going to spend most of his career as like an 18. Six and six guy, and okay. you know That's maybe he's got a higher, um, you know maybe maybe he's got a higher ceiling where he becomes a, a legit all star guy, and that will depend a lot on his scoring. I don't see a much lower ceiling for him than that. I think he's just going to continue to fill the stat sheet really well as a pro. Um, so you think I just think for me, I I have him as fifth because I think there's some other guys that have a little easier path towards like superstardom in this draft. So you think he's kind of a, well, what do you want to call it, a, a good stats, bad team guy? Do you think that's where he's probably going to end up unless no, he ends up no, on a good I th- team? I think, I think he's... Uh, I hate that. I hate that kind of misnomer. Um, Yeah. Like, there's, there's a lot of, like, what Tyrese Halliburton has been in Jalen Suggs, except Suggs is, is a freaky athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it's, it's kind of the same. Like, I think he's just going to come in and do a lot of good stuff yeah. Um, and there's obviously like there's going to be maybe a couple of years where he needs to fix things. And if you know if you start to see the shot improve for him, and you start to see the threes fall, you can see a thing where like Jalen Suggs is a top three point guard in the NBA. Um, I think the shooting is going to be uh, it's an it's enough of an X factor that I'm not just going to assume that it gets there. How's that? Yeah. Uh, there's there's enough questions for me that I'm not going to assume that that happens, and therefore, uh, I've said before, I think he's got a lot of George Hill in him, like just a really really good like second banana point guard. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think his like bare minimum he's going to be is like the first guy off the bench is just going to torch you, like he's going to be that phenomenal like six man is his absolute like minimum if he just never develops a shot and he's just he is what he is. I think that's well, and again, he does so many of the little things right. Coaches are gonna want to start him. Yeah, that's true. Like that's that like he's gonna be um, like Drew Holiday is another guy that just like kind of comes to mind. Uh, like Drew has not always been like a freaky athletic player. Uh, he's been he's grown into his offense or not freaky athletic freaky. Uh, like a, a scoring player, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Like he's grown into his offense uh, more recently, but like Drew's been a starting level and a, a well-respected point guard because he just does a lot of really good productive stuff on a basketball court. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have any downsides and, with him, really. And he started to like, the last couple of years, he became like, wow, Drew's like a really good offensive player too who's starting to like be able to get points for you and stuff. And that's where I think, like, Suggs, if it doesn't happen right away, it may take him a little bit of time to become that high score. He may be 28, and then it's like, oh, shit, Suggs figured out the three, and he's shooting 42% from three this year, and Jalen Suggs is first-team All-NBA. Yeah. That's a very plausible thing for me. I don't know if I quite see that, but, yeah, I definitely see see him personally where I kind of look at him from the limited, like, looks that I've gotten. These guys, I'd probably still put him at that 3-4 between him and Jalen Green, which... Jalen, your boy Jalen Rose is just winning at this draft. There's, what, three of the top six prospects are all Jalens? 
Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Jalen's. <laughs> it's um, definitely the time of Jalen. I don't know that Jalen Johnson is actually a top six guy. I know Tankathon has him there, but you're going to hear a lot more complaints about that from other people. But yeah, he uh, and and for me, for me, I think um, I think it's really more of a battle between Kuminga and Suggs for me. I think Jalen Green is probably the number three guy, okay. and we can talk about Jalen Green. Did we, we, we already, already talked did about Jalen Green, right? Um, There's a reason I was going for these. Two. No, I think I think like Jalen Green to me has like a very easy projection as like the like a guy who can score thirty points. Yeah. So like to me like for most teams, especially a team that doesn't already have like a top scorer at the guard position, Green's probably higher on the draft board. Mm-hmm. But uh, Suggs is close. I don't have Suggs personally in the Mobley Cunningham tier. Yeah. No. I think those two guys are their own tier one. And I think Suggs, Green, and Kaminga are, are tier three or tier two. Yeah, I think for me it's definitely Cade first, Mobley second. I know I've, I feel like I've seen a lot of people kind of trying to put Suggs into that, kind of make him a competition with Mobley, but I don't see him that far off. Those two are just can't miss talents. I think no, Mo- Mobley's that guy where like a lot of people this, these last couple of weeks have been like, oh, what if we like nitpicked this thing and nitpicked <laughs> yeah. that thing? And it's like. Evan Mobley's putting up Anthony Davis type stuff here. Like, shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll like, be fine. Like, I can't think of something. We'll, we'll we'll get to him eventually, but it's like, I don't know a single thing he does bad. Like, he kind of does it all on a basketball court. So, he is someone who I very would be very excited on the Pistons roster. Um, anything else on Suggs? I guess. How do you see? No, I could you see him fitting alongside Killian in the backcourt? Or absolutely. Okay. Uh, I don't have I don't have any concern. Like. Uh, I one of them is going to have to learn how to shoot. Uh, I've said it before. I think Killian Hayes is going to end up being a very good shooter, mm-hmm. so that's not a concern for me. Um, we didn't really get into it today, but like Killian Hayes' defense has been freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, I said yesterday, and I meant it, that Killian was by far the best perimeter defender in yesterday's game. Um, and like the idea of having Suggs and Killian defensively is pretty enticing. You're talking about two guys who are 6'4 and 6'5 and strong. Um, you know, you become a team that does not have to worry about switches pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, you know, Suggs is a guy who would be able to play off a Killian. Um, you know, you'd hope that his shot is far enough along that he can shoot catch and shoots and stuff like that. He's also a guy like I think Killian will be able to play off the ball eventually. Um, yeah, I again, Jalen Suggs does so many things right. It's really hard to find a, a spot on a team for him to fail. Yeah, I think the only way you have a, a bad uh, experience with Jalen Suggs is if you expect him to come in and be like Ja Morant or um, like be be the number one and only option on your team. I think you're gonna have a, a sad time then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's definitely... And like, I, I really don't he's know... Gonna, he's going to do good. Like, I, I don't know. I'm looking at a mock draft. Like, I, I I can't see the team... Maybe if he went to the Magic, like, it would be kind of a weird fit for him. Anyone going um, to the Magic is going to be a weird fit. It's the Magic. Yeah, just because I don't, I don't know how I feel about the Magic. I don't know how I feel about like, the Cavs. Cavs are the one where it's like, I don't know what You know what would there. be an awesome awesome uh thing to have happen assuming that it doesn't hurt the pistons would be the raptors falling into like jalen suggs territory suggs and van fleet together would be 
Ooh, that'd be interesting. Suggs actually. on the Raptors makes like those are an extremely high. Those are two like they're undersized. I would say the pair of them together, but they are fucking they are gamers. So they would yeah. they would go at anyone in the league. That that team would be nasty. <laughs> that'd be fun, especially with Nick Nurse as coach. Any more questions? Nope. I am going to go back to staring at Evan Mobley's Tankathon page because it is beautiful. Thank you for <laughs> sending me in that direction. All green numbers. <laughs> it's 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 phenomenal. I love when I love it a center is averaging three blocks a game. It's like it's like Jaron Jackson when he was just dominating an MSU three, on defense. Three blocks and less than two fouls. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, you can do that without three fouling. Three blocks and he went through an entire shot. college season without uh like I. Oh, he did have one four-foul game. Two four-foul games. He went through, like, almost his entire season without really ever being in threat of fouling out. Yeah. Because he's just that good. That's insane. We'll talk about Mobley some more some other oh. time, though. <laughs> I think we know what we're talking about next week. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Evan Mobley. All right, this has been a good one. Yep. A long one, an exciting one. It, I'm very happy. Enjoy it. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Can you hear it, my voice? How fucking happy I am? <laughs> they told me Killian Hayes was sitting down today, and he's not playing in tonight's game. And boy, has that got me twitching, because I need a fix. It's been a long time. I need a fix. It's been like a whole 24 hours. I need a fix. <laughs> we'll go find some highlight tapes of him playing over in you know, the middle of nowhere Europe. <laughs> I'm just going to read my own Twitter page again. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find something to do. All right. It's been a good one. All right. We'll see you next week. See you all later. Peace out. Bye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.